Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, bartenders. Go, food needs refill. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, and radio network. What do we have in store for you on this edition of the program? The SEC stands pat. No expansion at this time, beyond at least the 16 teams, with Texas and Oklahoma joining here in the next few years. Why calls for Florida State, Clemson, programs like that are a waste of time. It doesn't make sense financially. We're going to look at that. Also, Major League Baseball, getting ready for the Midsummer Classic, the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby, something that baseball does extremely well. Something that baseball struggles a little bit with, Expanding with the times in the postseason. The NBA deciding to keep their play-in game should fire off a gigantic lightning bolt. Through Rob Manfred's office, through Major League Baseball, there is something with the way the NBA does things that baseball can adopt. So we're going to look at that. Also, Kevin Durant's decision. He wants to be traded. Why this should be a pure legacy mode move. And golf's grip. We look at golf's majors as the Open Championship set to take this place, Great Britain, this weekend. And why a couple outcomes could be beneficial heading into the offseason. But it's going to be known for the, the live tour, right? What a gigantic stranglehold this has had on golf this year. Remember, Harp on Sports, the bar, Twitter, Instagram, at Harp on Sports. Harp on Sports, the Facebook page. Harp on Sports, the YouTube channel. You can listen via... Three routes, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Buzzsprout. Also, as we mentioned, Harp on Sports YouTube page, harponsports.com as well. All right, let's start off with the SEC standing pat. This is the right decision. Any expansion at this moment would be a panicky move. The Big Ten sat back, and the Big Ten was at 11, what, eight years ago? What did the Big Ten do? They looked around, surveyed the landscape, and said, you know what? Actually, it's been over 10 years ago now, and said, we need to get to 12. So they added Nebraska. Didn't really do anything TV market-wise, and the Big Ten learned their lesson. Because the next go-around, what did the Big Ten do when they were at 12? They went, wait a second here. The SEC just went with Missouri and A&M, which were TV deals. Um, Let's go grab our own TV market. So they added D.C., top 10 market with Maryland, and then they went out and added a number one market in America with New York with Rutgers. And now they go out and they grab the Los Angeles market with the pair deal of USC and UCLA. They could have been better off if they went USC and Stanford. They could have been better off TV market-wise or USC and Arizona State. But I get it. It's a package deal. I get this one. I do. It'd be like if the SEC wanted to expand it at Duke, Nick, Carolina, which would kind of make sense, but not from a TV revenue standpoint. So, you know, we look at what the Big Ten did, what the Pac-12 and the Big 12 should be doing. Now, look, I get the non-panicky thing, and if you're the Pac-12, you kind of have to sit around and really survey this thing, right? The Big 12, it's pretty simple. You look at size of media markets. But with the SEC standing pad at 16, that's where they should be. Well, I keep seeing add Florida State. Why, why to add the Tallahassee market? Was that 165? You don't need that. Well, add Clemson. Why? To add that market? It's not a top 50 market. Guys, this is about TV deals, network deals to pump. I don't know how many times I have to say this. To pump TV contracts or at least networks into people's households collect more money. That's what this is about. The TV networks, the individual conference networks, the big titting USC and UCLA. You, what does it do? It gives you New York, Rutgers, LA, Chicago. I went through and looked at this. 
The Big Ten have three of the biggest in the country, right? Even the Pac-12 still has San Francisco. They still have Washington. They still have Seattle. Still have Phoenix. That's why it's important if the Big 12 wants to expand to grab. And I wrote these markets down just so we have size on it, right? If the Big 12 smart, San Francisco by adding Stanford, Cal, that gets you market six. Phoenix gets you market 11. Uh, Seattle or Arizona State, Arizona, Arizona State gets you market 11. University of Washington gets you Seattle market 12. Um, Oregon gets you market 21. So you can kind of see what the Big 12 can do by grabbing those markets. But you start to look at it from the SEC's perspective and you know, city-wise, it depends on what you want to do. If you're the SEC and you want to quote-unquote go for it, well, then at that point, you know, if you want to go to 18, Miami's market 18 and D.C.'s market 8. So what are you thinking? You're thinking Virginia or Virginia Tech? I mean, more Virginia than anything else. Maryland already belongs to the Big Ten. So does Virginia Tech pipe enough into D.C. to grab that? Not, Not really. But if you're the SEC, that gives you another top 10 market, and you already are in 5, 7, 8, 13, and 17 if you're the SEC. 5, 7, 8, 13, 17, what? You have Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, and you're the SEC, and you know you start to look around here a little bit and go, wait a second here. What, what, else, do we, what, else, what else can we get our hands on? What else can we grab here? What other big markets are out here that for us to get our hands on? The other ones in there are Orlando, because you're down in Tampa, right? Grabbing at least some of that market. So if you're the SEC, how do you get to the point where you can grab other top 20 markets? Still not going to be Chicago. Still not going to be New York. Still not going to be L.A. They're on their own island. The only one that would make sense from this to add a market that could have a big financial impact and drive up costs, or at least drive up revenue, would be something in the D.C. area. It's a top 10 market. You go D.C. and Phoenix if you really wanted to go crazy. You go Arizona State and Virginia Tech. They'd give you two top 11, two 11 more markets, so you'd be 5, 7, what, 9, 8, 9, 11, 13, see where I'm going? You, you could start to, it's like balancing out like signing trades in the NBA salary-wise <clears throat> where you're trying to accumulate all these big markets. Still not going to be able to compete with New York, Chicago, and L.A. You're not. But adding Clemson, Florida State does nothing for the SEC, nothing. Standing past the smart decision here. It is. Trying to, everybody gets all caught up, well, geographically balanced. Oh, guys, that, that, that game's over. That is. That's like when people talk about the NBA, you don't need superstars, you need a team. Go back and find me a team. There's been one team in the last 50 years that have won without a Hall of Famer. One. I think 70% of them have had at least two. The only one I can think of is the Pistons in, 80, in, in, in 04. The only one team that I can think of is won an NBA title the last 50 years and didn't have a Hall of Famer on it. So, look, gang. Uh, smart. Smart decisions here when it comes to this. And, you know... The ACC kind of finds itself in a little bit of a pickle. The Big Ten's always wanted to get their hands on Atlanta with Georgia Tech. They've always wanted to grab that. Always. Now, I think there's certain programs that supersede market size. Because when you're getting Notre Dame, you're getting New York, and you're getting Chicago. It's it's a different thing. It's not like it's almost island, own, own island. Like the Cowboys. Or the, actually, Notre Dame's like the Packers. Where the market, okay, South Bend doesn't really do much for you, but you get Chicago, you get New York because of the, the alumni base. Strange, it's a strange bird that doesn't fit anywhere else. It's like the missing link in evolution. So, SEC standing pet, it's the right decision. Okay, that to this. Um, I want to spend a couple quick minutes on this because right now, Kevin Durant, trading deadline, what's coming up? Where's he going to go? Look, and you're talking about going back to Golden State. Kevin Durant is a man without a real legacy. We know what LeBron's legacy is. Right or wrong, he's compared to Jordan. Just the fact that you get there, is amazing in and of itself. 
LeBron's legacy is going to be what? He's going to be the all-time leading scorer in the history of the NBA. And he's won, he won for the land. He won one in Cleveland. When I think of LeBron James, you can think of the decision, but LeBron's going to be the all-time leading in scorer, going to be compared to Michael Jordan, going to be one of the top three or four basketball players of all time, finally won a title in Cleveland, first time in 60 years. That's what LeBron's legacy is. You look at guys at the end of their career were trying to get in that championship threshold. A couple got over late in their career. I think a Ray Bork in hockey when he went to Colorado and won. In the NBA, the best example I can think of this, a guy that finally got one late in his career, is when Clyde Drexler finally got over the hump when he went to the Rockets and joined Elijah Wan. So Kevin Durant's already got titles. So it's not about titles, it's about legacy. The guy that actually ties into this the most is Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling had gotten to a World Series and didn't win it with the Phillies. But gotten there and won it with the Diamondbacks. And he had his choice to go to New York or Boston. He picked Boston because he knew he'd just be another name in New York. He goes to Boston and wins one. He's immortalized. Red Sox, boom, there you go. Bloody Sox, there you go. So from that perspective, Kevin Durant needs to be thinking like Kurt Schilling. Where can I go that would be the ultimate legacy move? Now, look, there's certain places that he would become immortalized in a heartbeat, but they're just not going to happen. The Knicks, immortalized in a heartbeat, but that's not, the Brooklyn Nets aren't training Durant to the Knicks. Where else could he end up? Well, you start to think, like, well, Philly, become immortal. You win a title in Philly? Finally get them over the hump? Become immortalized there, too, but it's not going to happen with Philly either 40 years later. Just not. They're going to trade him and they have to play him in the postseason. So you immediately start to wipe out teams in the East, and there's other teams (coughs) that if he could go to would be you know, monumental for that franchise. You know, if he'd go win one of the Pacers, if he'd go, you know, not that it's been 25 years since the Bulls won one, but going to win one Chicago, there'd be certain places in the East that would be really, really cool. But let's face it, he's going to go out West. So you start to think, okay, what, what's the, what's the play for Durant in terms of legacy? He goes to Golden State, forget it. Win all your titles with Steph and Clay, it just won't mean anything. You could win three more out there and it really won't mean anything. So from Durant's perspective, at least the way I look at it, you have to start looking at it in terms of, first of all, I mentioned marks where he could go that would be immortalization moves. But you have to look at marks that have a realistic chance at winning. And I, I basically have it narrowed down to three places. Not that these three are being mentioned, but three places are legacy moves for him. If he go to Utah and finally win one, do something that Malone and Stockton didn't do, but he's not going to Utah. So there's two realistic places. The Suns, do something Barkley couldn't do, do something that Stoudemire couldn't do, do something that Chris Paul finally get them over the hump. And the place that he should go, <coughs> excuse me, that, that would be the immortalization moment would be the Clippers. If he could go and take L.A. away from LeBron, and win a championship. You talk about the ultimate play back and forth. LeBron's got four. Durant has three. We talk about how Steph has four. Clay has four. If Kevin Durant could go win his third title and take the city of LA away from LeBron, and in a year where LeBron breaks the record, which he's going to do later this year or late in the year next year, when he breaks Abdul-Jabbar's record, if Durant could win a title in LA the Clippers in LeBron's house and ooh baby. So the realistic place for him to go financially that has the resources to pull it off that could work is the Clippers. You know, there's other places he could go to Denver, but he's not going to go there. He's not. I mentioned Utah. He could go there, but it's not going to happen. 
There's certain point. Oklahoma City has a ton of companies. He's not going to go there. He could go back there and win, which would be fun and neat, but not going to happen. You mentioned the Wizards. I, I get, but again, Knicks and Philly would be immortalized in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, he'd be immortalized. And then you start looking at other places too. I mean, Utah, great, but to, to me, the Suns would be okay. Finally, went, which would be cool. But the Clippers is the legacy move. The Clippers is the Kurt Schilling to the Red Sox instead of the Yankees move. Baseball. You know, the NBA, speaking of the NBA, the NBA announced some foul-changing rules on fast breaks, and that's great. But one of the big things they decided to do was to keep their postseason tournament, at least their play-in games, right? Where, <laughs> you know, you have, the, <laughs> you have you know, your showdowns. But what is it that you have now? Four teams battling for two spots, which is kind of fun. Baseball learned from this. Baseball, look what the NBA is doing. Look what you can do. I just thought it was ridiculous. Like, even look at last year, like with the Red Sox and the Yankees, play 162 games and you have one play-in game and then that's it. But every other series is five and seven and come on. Now, I know baseball's trying to figure out what it wants to do and do you cut down on regular season games? How do you make this more interesting? Well, expanded postseason is the answer. So what I would like to see baseball do is have four teams play for that one wild card spot. How would it work? Double elimination starting Monday. Then we don't have to worry about ties. And baseball did that when they figured it out this year, when they did some of their rule changes right. If you tie with for the division, you have the exact same record. Then head-to-head matters during the year. You don't have a play-in game to see who wins the division. I, that was something that was left over from generations ago for the pennant. I get why it was left over. But once the wild card hit, that should have gone away. It didn't. It hung around for 20-plus more years, and now it's finally gone. But for me, I would love to see this. And this is pretty simple. It really is. Season ends on a Sunday night. And then Monday, your four teams that are your wild card teams play in a neutral site. Neutral site. Baseball purist, you all, college purist, you love Omaha and you love the Field of Dreams. I think it'd be cool to see this at the Field of Dreams. You want to talk about something that'd be really, really cool, but I don't know what temperature, October, Dyersville, Iowa, I don't know if it would work. But think about how cool this would be. That if you had four teams in a neutral site, Two games the first day. Now, this is the American League and National League, right? So you're going to have eight teams in all vying for two spots. You're really going to expand this thing. You're going to make it interesting. Now, your division series won't start till that Friday. So you really got to space this out here a little bit. It allows everybody to get their rotation set up three or four days off. Okay? Now, what you do in this instance is, you know, your four wild cards play. Your two winners advance to Tuesday night. Your two losers meet in the losers bracket. You know, we talk about how there's only one game. Under this scenario, you have a double elimination four-team pod. So what does that mean? That means two teams in the winners, two teams in the losers after the first day. One team gets bounced the second day. So if you go out and you lose Monday and you lose Tuesday, look, you were a wild-card team and you got bounced twice, I'm not going to feel any sympathy for you. In a one-game sitting, I'm going to feel bad for you. But if you lose to the team that lost in the other loser's bracket and you lose right away, you can't raise your hand and go, I need a third try. No, 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 two's enough. At least under this scenario... You're guaranteed two games. Two teams are guaranteed three games. That's fair, isn't it? So after day one, loser, two winners. One of the losers gets bounced, so one of the losers advances. And then what do you have on Wednesday? Well, you know, Tuesday the two winners play, so then a loser advances. The loser from the first game drops down to the loser's bracket. So in the morning or in the morning, in the early afternoon on Wednesday, you have the two teams that are left that have lost play each other. And the team that won's waiting there Thursday or Wednesday night. So this thing could all be over by Wednesday night. If the team from the winner's bracket wins, 
Here's the trick, though. Here's where it gets tricky. I'm going to reward the team that survives and gets to the finals of the winner's bracket. Let's just use this for an example where we are right now. Let's say it's the Red Sox, the Rays, the Blue Jays, and the Guardians. And let's say the Red Sox get through. Well, then the Red Sox fly back to Boston. Whoever ends up coming out of that loser's bracket flies to Boston. And now you have to beat them twice there. Fun, huh? So that's too complicated? No, it's not. It's no more near as complicated as, you know, think about where you are with the regular season in baseball, where it's 2-2-1 for the best of five, right? So two here, two here, then you fly back for one final game. Yeah, it's that day, the two losers, the teams from the losers bracket play, then Boston's waiting. Whoever comes out of the wild card team or whoever the winning team is, if you want to keep it all on neutral site, fine, knock yourself out. Just looking at a way to add a little fun to this. Now I've added four postseason or three postseason teams, two more postseason teams in each or each uh, league. You can do one versus four, three, two versus three, however you want to do it. But you're adding a bunch of games. No, I'm not. I'm adding three games. But he talks about how it's unfair. Here's a solution. Just copy what the NBA does. This works. This makes sense. Do this. Double elimination. American League, National League wild card. It'll be done by Wednesday night, early Thursday afternoon. And then in that case, then whoever the wild card winners, you can start your divisional round on Thursday. Your division winners match themselves up and you can have a couple games on Thursday and then the wild card teams then end up playing on Friday. So technically you have three days off because there's going to be two sets of games, right? That don't fit, uh, don't feature wild card teams. Baseball, copy this. A really quick golf, the open championship you know, in Great Britain, and what? who is it? Scheffler, Thomas, and then U.S. Open. Who is it? I can't remember who won the U.S. Open. How bad's that? Yeah. I remember Zalatoris had a shot to win it at the end. How about that? And and Rory made it somewhat interesting. But look, well, how does this end well for golf this year? I, doesn't one of the guys from the live tour have to, uh, the live tour, whatever we want to call it, doesn't one of those guys have to win? I mean, if Rory won, great. I, yeah, Rory win one for the PGA Tour. You know, Brooks Kepka winning it. Of course, Tiger winning it would be above and beyond everything. But this, you know, golf just in one of those positions now where the story this year, no matter who wins this thing, unless Tiger wins it, the story this year in golf is going to be what? It's going to be the new tour backed by Saudi Arabia money oil money yanking golfers away and everybody being upset and taking moral sides on it as they tweet away on their iPhone that were built by underage labor in China. I'm outraged. Let me tweet about it on my phone that was made by a 12 year old. So there we are with that. And golf, I mean, again, it, the best thing for golf would be tiger. If not tiger, you know, well, Rory, well, Rory or Brooks Kepka, Rory or Dustin Johnson. The be- people taking sides on this, and this is the story right now. So what would be best? The best would be a pair, a final pairing of Rory PGA Tour versus Dustin Johnson. <clears throat> That'd be the best. Or DeChambeau, somebody like that down the stretch they go. Harpon Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio, network. Follow us at Harpon Sports, Twitter at Harpon Sports, Instagram, podcast, auditory route, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Harpon Sports, YouTube page, check us out, Harp on Sports Facebook page, and of course the website at harponsports.com. 
Remember, stay clean, stay focused, stay strong. Frankenstein, have fun with your friends.